Welcome to the Tourism Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Vanessa Mbenoun, and today we are going to take a closer look at the concept of acquisition in the tourism industry. We're going to see what options are available to you as a tourism entrepreneur if you wish to sell or buy a new business. We chat to the founder of Accesso Europe. It's a firm which represents owners, companies and entrepreneurs in the selling and acquiring of travel and leisure related businesses. Walt Foster is our guest, so please stay tuned and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and visit tourismentrepreneur.com. Hi, Wolf, and welcome to the Tourism Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks, Vanessa. I'm very excited to be here. You are not new um, to the tourism industry or to entrepreneurship. Before Accesso Europe, uh, which is the company we're going to focus on today, you founded a few other travel businesses. And I read about Volta Villas and Certi Stay, for instance. Please tell us more about yourself and how these brands came to be. I'm happy to. <laughs> well, you know, they, they and, I, and I think the, my situation was similar to other entrepreneurs and travel and tourism and other industries. One thing kind of led to another, either by need or interest level <laughs> or client direction. Um, but I started, you know, as a, as a child, I was, I played badminton. I played competitive badminton and I got to travel all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I thought one day I want a job that lets me do that too. Yeah. So when, and I was love it. So I ended up, you know, took a tourism management course, understood the basics and, um, and really went to work for some Canadian tour operators. And I represented them as a group. That's because I had some sales background in Europe. And I called this the Western Canada Travel Alliance. And, oh, you know, the Canadians love the German and the Dutch and the British tourists. So I would market them together as a group. So it was my independent little marketing group and was very, um, did very well. I kept my client for a year, we grew it. And um, upon that, I ran into a gentleman from Geneva and he had a lot of Russian clients he didn't know what to do with. And I didn't wow. quite understand. <laughs> wow. And he had some, they were, they were Russian oligarchs who wanted to escape to uh, the, um, the German and the French Alps for, for skiing in the winter. And they yes. had an excessive amount of money to spend. And he said, would you help me? I don't know anyone around tourism. And I jumped on that bandwagon, Vanessa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, this will be fun. It's great to be in beautiful homes and it's travel. So. We, we somewhat combined. Yes. Uh, I finished off the Western Canada Travel Alliance and focused on this as I saw this was growing and combined efforts. And um, and what I did was ultimately we did that for a couple of years and then I moved back to Canada, back to Vancouver where I'm from and continued with that business independently. And this was in, gosh, 18 years ago, 17 years ago, I would wow. say. And uh, before Airbnb even existed. So wow. the, the vacation <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like pre, little did we know how, how a big vacation rentals and villa, yes. villa and chalet rentals would come, but um, it was kind of for just the high-end market. Anyways, we, 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 we did very successful. I, I had an understanding, uh, learning from him on the super high-end of the market. And I ended up with some celebrities and uh, quite a few actually, and um, um, sort of the Wall Street market and, and, and I've had some presidents and it was really high end, really niche. Mm. Um, and so it was not always easy to find the high end homes to match. So it was kind of like that matchmaker travel agent specializing. I really enjoyed, you know, it's quite a 
treat to deal with you know, super amounts of money and big commissions <laughs> and wealthy people, right? I thought, oh, this is great. Um, and so that that was basically Wolf Worcester Villas, which now today still operates called Volta Villas, very high end as well. Um, it has changed over the years. But from there, I went and moved to a company called Certeste, which I also created. And that was, Certeste became as a result, as a solution to a problem we had in the villa business. And this problem wasn't singular to me. I had a lot of colleagues, there was probably five of us around the world that had villas and had that super high end market. And we, we all talked and communicated and worked together, which I really enjoyed. But we all had the same problem. Because there was no regulation in villas, and I'm speaking about health and safety and all sorts of things, it's very inconsistent. Yes. Whereas in a hotel room, you would have smoke detectors and safety gadgets or safety minimums on, on, a, on a balcony, for example. Um, and, and there was none of that regulation or consideration in villas, even though these were high end. I mean, some of these villas we had were 12, 12 members of staff on site. I mean, there were big properties. However, going back to the story is, is, is unfortunately we had a few falls, we had a few accidents, we had a couple of fatalities even, as did my colleagues. And I tell you, it made me sick the first time I heard of an incident. And, um, and I thought we had to solve this problem. And I talked to my colleagues and we all agreed, um, but no one wanted to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I thought, all right, <laughs> Let, let's solve that problem. And then that was Certestate. And so what Certestate does is, to simplify, if you think about what a, what a home inspection might be, where you have an independent third party to, to check the home for safety, and that's a lot of like things to do with the roof or, or water or electricity or, or concrete or you know the sort of foundation cracks and safety. This would be more with safety and security, but the same concept. And what we developed, um, I put a great team together, which I'm happy to share with you, very supportive, uh, well-rounded team, is we figured out over a two-year process, what the biggest complaints, accidents were in vacation rentals and villas. And, um, and, uh, and we got that information from police departments, hospital reports, insurance agencies, air from the industry. It took a while and we put this in a, in a software and we would, we would have a product which would basically be an auditor physically visiting the vacation rental or the villa and doing his or her own audit and then provide some advice, you know, a certification or, or recommendations for the owner to limit their liability and make sure your guest is safe. And that's ultimately what CertiState is today. We're very, very successful until COVID came. Yeah, <laughs> and we were yeah. things that shut down. Oh, as you know, I'm sure Vanessa. Yes, I think we're all in the same boat. Like we totally get each other on this one. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> at least we do in our industry, we understand. Um, and we had to give back money. We had taken a lot of booking deposits for homes we were doing all throughout North America. And we were just going to start on Europe and, um, and we gave back the deposits and we did end up doing zero audits last year. So, um, however, you know, we pivot once again, and what we have been able to do in the meantime and keep our, our CEO and myself and other colleagues, I'm not as active in the business. I'm still a major shareholder, but to keep us busy, we've created, been able to create a very unique, um, insurance compliance, which today we sell actively around the world. And that's kind of like a damage waiver liability insurance program, similar to what's out there with Airbnb and others, but a little bit more extensive. And, and then we'll get back on the audit system and probably more of an app independent um, way of doing it rather than having an individual body 
go and do the do the inspection. It'll probably be more of an app. So it's less expensive, it's easier to be done quicker. And um, and so that's where, where CertiStay is. And our clients have been vacation rental management companies or or chalet groups. It's not an individual homeowner or you know, it can be. Yes. But we go to a, a whole company who perhaps has all of Cape Town and they manage beautiful homes, mm. for example, in Cape Town. And, and, and they would buy, they would have the service for their entire portfolio of homes that they manage for owners. That's mm. how we sort of conduct the, the business. Thank you, Wolf. That is so fascinating. And I'd like to jump straight to Accessor Europe, which is not the type of business we usually think about um, when we, we, we speak, when we talk about the travel industry. You focus on investment and acquisition. How did it all start? A part of the answer is this is a COVID-related pivot for me. <laughs> because oh. of the, the, oh. the challenge and the pain we had to deal with with CertiStay and really we had employees that were left we had to take care of them and so it was a tough time yes. but I you know won't uh, I won't can argue it and it really had to figure out so with Accesso I thought you know I have done this before mm -hmm. a little bit on the side and I always love business I've bought and started and sold my own companies over the years, a few things that, that I've done also before that I had uh, mentioned to you, but, but so it's, um, it's uh, for the love of business is why I've done it for the opportunity to help others get out of a distressed situation over COVID and to help some bigger companies have the chance to, to help the small ones by buying them or partnering with them or investing in them. And, and it seemed to be just a win, win, win situation in a business that I knew, knew, know about, right? And, um, and basically we're, we're a business, probably the simplest way to describe it, Vanessa is a glorified business broker just within the travel and tourism industries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so our, my knowledge and experiences with European companies, we have now, I have buyers in the US yes. and that's just expanded. And I would love to do in Canada where I'm from, but not at the moment. And also I would love to do in Africa because I've spent a month there and there's huge opportunity, I think. And um, it's really comes to those who want to sell their business in Africa or, or invest there or a bigger travel company wanting to, you know, park their, their, their business um, or, or buy existing businesses in that market. So um, we haven't focused on it, but we're, we're happy to do it. You know, it's the same, the same principles apply, right? Yes. While Greg, while um, I was going through the website, I came across sections that were focusing on country license brokerage and master franchising brokerage so what exactly do they mean and for people like myself who are new to this but would like to know more what other important concepts should we get familiar with yeah great question you know that <laughs> um can be a little confusing the so a master franchise if you we all know the global brands like mcdonald's or subway and 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 how they expand as franchises yes. and they um in the earlier days um they would, you know, for example, go to South Africa or to Canada and say, okay, we need one franchise, a master franchise who can open up smaller ones or resell to individual business people who want to open up, you know, maybe one in Durban or yes. three in Cape Town and sort of, sort of a wholesale level, if you will. And, but you get the opportunity to use policies and procedures and the brand of, of the Subway or McDonald's. Yes. And that's kind of what We've had some inquiries. I thought I would include that on the site and, and, and we have done some consulting for some. This is mostly 
the concept comes from mostly from American companies wanting to do business in other parts of the world. Mm. For example, a vacation rental um, chain in the U.S. who I'm dealing with now. They have mm -hmm. 19 offices, they're franchises, and they want, they think it's time to go to Europe and then they'll expand to Canada and Africa and Australia, whatnot. So it's their first expansion. So I would find them the buyer for the country of Spain. You know, and it's a bigger, it's a big ticket item. I mean, these things go for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Um, but you, it's hard, it takes a long time, and that's a way for them to expand into different countries. Hmm. Uh, and it can be a country license or a continental, like a whole continent. It's typically been a country license, so it's just another way to help help um, bigger travel companies expand yes. into different markets. What are the criteria and steps for a seller or a buyer to join the platform? You know, we get all sizes of businesses. Mm -hmm. We get the, the really big, we have probably one of the largest travel companies now where where they want to uh, expand. Just kind of like, you know, we talked about and they want to buy smaller companies and put them together and, you know, and under their brand. And, and, and also have one, you know, smaller companies like, like, like you and I, who may want to sell one day. <laughs> and so there's no, I mean, the minimum criteria I would say is probably to be in business for three years is what, if you want to sell your company or get an investment, you probably need at least two or three years of track record. And doesn't mean you have to be probable. You have to show a proven concept and that you, you've been able to, to deliver and have, um, and, and have a growth plan. And it doesn't have, you don't need to make millions of dollars. It's all um, equivalent to on, on the price that, that, or how much money you want to raise or how much another company or an individual buy. So I would say at least two years of business, preferably three. And um, if you can't profit, that's great. You'll get more money. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's, you would be surprised how many companies I deal with, Vanessa. They've been in business for 10 years and really haven't made much money. And that's okay because a lot of people are in the tourism industry as a lifestyle role. We get that. But mm. now they want to retire or their kids are, you know, um, uh, they're having children now and they just want a change of lifestyle. Um, and there's still um, value for that business. You have goodwill, you have an established clientele, you have infrastructure, maybe you have a proprietary niche type of product or service and a, and a unique destination. There's a lot of ways to create that price and value for someone who wants to buy. So I would say those are the minimum things as a couple of years in business. Nice. And I see that you mostly cover Europe. I asked you about that before you start, before you started, sorry. And I wanted to know, because you've been here uh, to South Africa, for instance, you know, the markets. Yes. So um, why is it that apart from Europe, you know, this, are you, do you have any plans to expand to the US and to Africa, especially Africa, because this is where we are. And I, I feel like yes. outside too. <laughs> I would love to. I think there's a personal, my personal experience and opinion is there's a great opportunities there, mm. you know, for, for many different types of, of travel. So I think it really comes down to, and I'm starting to do a little US, but you know, I, I am, I am, per, personally, I'm, I'm a small company, so I, there's only so much knowledge and, and clients you can, you can handle. But mm. I think Africa, I think it really comes down to the big companies want you know when are they ready to go when is their particular type of product um, um the need to, to to include an africa expansion just like with canada and the us there's so many successful british and german companies for example and french companies that haven't expanded really outside of europe 
So I would love that because I think, you know, why not offer your service globally? Why not offer more destinations? Mm. And so I think it's just a matter of time. Um, and I've got a couple of emails from some smaller businesses like, like yourself and myself yes. requesting and, and we've had some discussion. So I think it's coming. I, I think <laughs> I would welcome that. I, I love a global market for sure. Yeah, that would be great. And Wolf, uh, I've been collaborating with like two new brands lately. And it was interesting to see that although the, the world stopped traveling because of the pandemic, lots of deals were still taking place. You know, new businesses were being built and some were getting funded and acquired. So uh, you are sitting mm. in a position where you are making some of these, um, these deals happen. So from your perspective, I was wondering how you see the future of, of the industry. Boy, that's a great question. <laughs> Tough one, Vanessa. <laughs> I, I know. you know, my opinion, I try to balance opinion with a, <laughs> with a, based on experience and, and listening to some, some other very successful companies and entrepreneurs, mm. um, the travel will never go away. You know, some of us thought that I, thought, I didn't, but, but some people in the travel industry last year, I got to get out of travel. You know, we're, you know, this is during last May and June when July, when we're in the midst of all this mm. craziness and like, travel will not go away. People always want to explore. Yes. In fact, there's more digital nomads now than there's ever been. It's a global yes. phenomenon. And, the, and I think also because of the pandemic, people have realized you can work from anywhere and in, yes. in a lot of type of industries. And why not do it from a house in Barcelona or Cape Town? You know, kids or no kids, you know, if you're working on your computer and you have a good phone service, there's a lot that you can get done. Um, I've worked global. I've worked like that almost all my life. Yes. And, um, So I think, I think travel is here to stay. I think the way we travel, I think business travel might have its challenges and be a little slower. I think, you know, on a Zoom call, for example, and, <laughs> and uh, office space, I think that's probably a general statement that everybody would acknowledge is that it's probably a tough one to get back 100% in most yes. cultures and, and countries. Um, just depends on the industry. I think that would affect um, travel um, for business travelers. Mm -hmm. I think tourism is, listen, especially in my little corner where I'm very familiar with the vacation rental world, there are so many companies and people getting into vacation rentals. Um, I feel, I feel sorry for the hotels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's a tough game, you know, yes. um, and, and I have trucking companies, insurance companies, commercial developers that know nothing about the vacation rental industry, but want to get involved because they wow. see that future there. And so yeah. like, well, that's interesting. So well, I think, you know, I just hope we can get the planes all back, you know, and we can all access these great destinations. And, um, and it's, it's, I think it's, and also the younger, the younger, younger professionals are very independent. It's mm -hmm. a different, it's a different way of living. I think there's a lot of changes. So I hope mm. it's all for the good. <laughs> so Wolf, um, any tips and words of wisdom for other, for other tourism entrepreneurs, um, especially during the pandemic? Uh, <laughs> I would say be flexible. Yes. I think in business, uh, so smaller, it's always be flexible in your service, your product, your pricing. And, um, and what I found to be really successful that I really value, and I think it's one of my best assets is relationships. Mm. You know, you get to know some people in travel. Most of the time you're going to know them for a long time because it's a positive business. And you can, you can, you share ideas, you work together, people maybe change jobs and, 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 and where they're working, there may be a benefit, um, or you could help them. I think 
you, you, you know, LinkedIn is a great, great opportunity. I think what you're doing is fantastic where you can connect with others from the industry. I think that's yes. the biggest, biggest asset. And, and I value those relationships. A lot of my clients have become friends. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I think there's good value there. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Wolf. And we have now uh, reached the second part of the year. I was wondering what's next for you and, and Access to Europe? Well, maybe go away for some time in August. I'm working, working hard. <laughs> That's I, I, I think it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this fall will be very busy. I have some events to attend to in, in Europe in October. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to think where we have this confidence back in travel and we're all want to attend these events and network and, and be busy. Um, yes. I, I think it's, I'd like to think of be business as usual again, starting in the fall. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly acting that way. And yeah, and um, I look forward to meeting more more people and and and, and arranging more, you know, um, buy and sells and sort of stay is expanding out of Europe. So yeah, it'll be a lot of work, but I, I love it. So wow. I think I think most of us are in business do really enjoy what we do, don't we? Hmm. That's great. Thank you so much, Wolf, for your time. For more information and you know, just to know more about what Wolf does, you visit accessoeurope.com. You'll find the description in the biography of the of this podcast episode. In the meantime, don't forget to visit us as well at tourismentrepreneur.com. Support the podcast and join our community. I'll see you next week. <music>